The following podcast contains subject matter that may be unsuitable for more sensible viewers. Views expressed here do not reflect that of any community that you would want to be a part of. Listener discretion is mandatory. Mama, what does trans mean? No, 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 no! I guess we don't even have to bother with the okay, yeah, clap clapping and clap. anyway. I just, I just like to what? do the clap. It, it gets you yeah. good. It's, tradi- it's, it's tradition. It's kind of a nice, a nice feeling. Like I get to like really get my body moving, get my blood pumping for my favorite activity. Podcasting. I love podcasting. Do you really love podcasting? Has it enriched your life? Has it made things better? Well, it's like, you know, like my family won't speak to me anymore. <laughs> my boyfriend is ashamed of me. How is that different than before? All my friends are like increasingly alienated from my life. This just sounds like transition with extra steps. But like, you know, I get to have a podcast. It's true. And I get and like attention of, online. Sorry, that just, so makes, it's it, like a, it just makes me imagine like, so wait, you're trans? So do you like, you know, have a podcast? Have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's on kind that of a note, personal question, but do you have a podcast? Do you still have like a podcast? I'm pre. I'm. I'm. Were you assigned I'm, I'm a podcaster at birth? Have you gotten your podcast removed yet? <laughs> I still have my podcast voice, 100 percent intact. <laughs> Welcome back to Trenifesto, the show that would like to remind everyone that Count Chocula is a trans man and his real name is Aiden. I'm one of your hosts, Madeline Homps. I am joined today by I'm Amy, and I'm Re. And it's Halloween. Woo! I'll insert spooky organ music. Or not. I'll I still need a costume. Action. Leave suggestions in the doobly doo. Um, you should, you should dress up as a non-sexy nun. Just a regular nun. Just, just, just a nun. Non-sexy stripper. Dress up as a non-sexy stripper. And dress as sexy Margaret Thatcher, but people just oh. think I'm Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> She's sexy to anybody who's read Atlas Shrugged. Anyways, so on this very spooky edition of Tranifesto, we are reviewing the 2008, uh, it's it's listed as a romantic drama, but we will call it a horror romance drama. Yeah, it's a uh, horror romance. It's a vampire romance yeah. from yeah, exactly. our uh, lovely Swedish brothers. It is, it's Swedish Twilight. And sisters. It, it is Swedish Twilight. Uh, let the right one in. It's Swedish Twilight, but like they have very different vibes. Oh my god! Yes, the the 2008 Swedish romantic horror film directed by Thomas Alfredson, based on the 2004 novel by the same name. Um, so before we get into it, as always, let's do the synopsis, Amy. Um, so the basic plot is that there's our boy Oscar, who's 12 years old. He's in a Stockholm suburb, he's going to school. He's bullied a lot by his alpha classmates. He's kind of like a, you know, like loner, school shooter energy. He looks like an albino. No, that's just what Swedes look like. <laughs> oh, okay, that's, sorry. Yeah, he's he's very blonde. Please don't please like, don't be racist to Scandinavians. They've suffered enough. <laughs> Um, so he's just kind of a loner, gets bullied all the time. He wants to stand up for himself and like learn how to be masculine, but he doesn't really know how. An, al- an, al- um, an alienated young 
uh, boy who... Yeah, he... he, he like, and he didn't even play video games! At one point, he goes and buys tickets to Joker. <laughs> which I thought was, like, weirdly prophetic. When is this movie supposed to take place? Uh, 1981. Okay, because, like, most of the time, like, it wasn't, like, super obvious. Like, there wasn't, like, any, like anything specific to any time period that necessitated but then i remember in the background like they were like uh soviet, soviet Union. Brezhnev, and i'm like wait what where yeah. huh <laughs> no read this is this year this this movie is based on 2019 wait you mean that the gay agenda works the soviet union is back it's our influence we can end the podcast we've done everything we needed to do <laughs> Tankies, you've officially taken over the pod. We Good were on job. your side the whole time. <laughs> so, Oscar is lonely, but he, a new neighbor moves in beside him. This cute, also 12-year-old girl named Eli. Eli? Ellie? Eli. We're going to fuck up Eli. the pronunciation because we don't respect yeah. Swedish people. No, their preferred uh, pronunciation is not cool by us. Um, and so they, like, start talking, um, outside and kind of have, like, really terse, kind of cute 12-year-old romantic energy while they get to know each other. But meanwhile, I'd also, in the background... I'd also like to throw in, I'd also like to throw in, like, this is a really good, by itself, a coming age, a uh, coming of age yeah, book. Absolutely. It's also that as well. So in the background of their, like, budding friendship, we follow the course of like several murders that are taking place in Stockholm in their little suburb where some guy is murdering people and then draining their blood. Um, and we learn quite quickly that the person who is murdering people and draining their blood is apparently Eli's father, but actually like not actually her father, which we find out later, but he is killing these people to get her blood because she is a vampire. Dun, dun, dun. The real vampire. Well, she's been 12 for a long time. Maybe the real vampire was the friends we made along the way. So they, they get closer. They start having a sort of budding romance. She is eventually forced to, like, murder her own guy to get blood. Because her... What are we calling him? I, I don't really know his name. Hakan? Caretaker. Hakan? Hakan? Her caretaker. Yeah. So her. Well, it's Hakan. Yeah. It, the actual character's name is Hakan. Hakan. So he fails to get her blood in time, and she's like withering and stinky. And so she goes off and kills some guy by herself. Um, she gets spotted. People are starting to piece together that these are like murders that are linked to this broader trend. Her caretaker tries to get more blood by killing a teenage boy, but then he almost gets caught. So he pours hydrochloric acid on his face so that he can't get linked to her because he's trying to protect her. And then she is on her own after she drains all of his blood in the hospital and throws him out a window because she's a vampire. Um, and then they're staying, like, she's staying by herself and their romance is still going, like, she and Oscar. They have many, many late night rendezvous in the uh, playground outside of the apartment. Yeah, and also, like, in her place, um, interestingly, she always has to ask permission to come inside. He doesn't seem too bothered by this. I think if you've accepted the vampire part, then the whole asking to come inside probably seems that, that's that weird. She was doing that the whole movie. I realized this on the second watch, that she does that, like, the whole time. 
Um, but she does oh, it quite yeah. subtly up until you find out that she's a vampire. But anyway, they decide to go study. Well, he asked to go study. And she's like, you know, like, I'm not a girl. Like, would you still like me if I wasn't really a girl? Uh, and he's like... We can like, all relate to that conversation. <laughs> it's ripped right from my diary. It's, yeah, it's, it's like all of my relationships. And so he's like... <laughs> Dear diary, today someone mistook me for a real girl. He's like, whatever, she's saying she's not a girl, and whatever, are we still going study? Can we go study? He just wants a relationship. And they do that twice. Yeah, Yeah, no, that happens twice, like this conversation about her not really being a girl. So she also, like, encourages him to stand up for himself against his bullies. At one point, he, like, beats the shit out of one of them with, like, a stick and sends him to the hospital. Later on, he and he decides to like propose that they like become like blood siblings, you know, like cut their hands and like exchange blood. Because that's what ali- that's what that's what alienated like lonely twelve year olds think they're supposed to do. Yeah, God. in Sweden, that's exactly what happens. Have any of you ever done that? Because I've never actually done uh, that. I just saw it on no, that's not a thing that people actually I've, do. I've seen it on TV. No one actually does that. I think that's like a boomer thing that somehow stuck around, like. Maybe the boomers did Fucking it. Fucking boomers. They're, they're all demented. Boomers come on the pod. Um, so he cuts his hand open so they can get closer and exchange blood and get like form this immortal bond. And then she drops to the floor and starts licking his blood off the floor and tells him to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which, uh, let's be who fair here. Us? Who among us has not been in that? Ex- yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, who has not been in this situation? Don't yuck my like, she realizes that this is her kink, but she doesn't really want to like alienate him over <laughs> hey, it. Hey, so you know what? Yeah. There Almost- comes a time in everybody's relationship where... You just kind of have to go for it. You know what I mean? You have to confront blood play. (laughs) So. Well, I mean, in the original draft, it was piss. So I'm glad that they changed it. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, the the author took it. The vampires sustain themselves off of piss. In the meanwhile, she she runs (laughs) off. She runs off to get blood, accidentally fails to kill somebody who winds up being turned into a vampire, which is a cute plot line. It doesn't last very long. She winds up having the window open and bursting into flames. Um, but Eli, like, you know, is restored by drinking blood. Oscar confronts her and is like, yo, you're a vampire. Are you a vampire? And they have this conversation about how she's a vampire because he clocked her. <laughs> um... Holy shit, you're right. But they realize that they have similar bloodthirsty natures because she needs to kill to survive and he wants to kill his bullies. Um, And he's writing a manifesto and buying an AR-15. Well, I mean, to be fair, Scandinavians, when they... Also, wait, wait, wait wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I'm pulling up his YouTube history. Uh, Ben Shapiro is right at the top of that list. Uh, To be fair, when Scandinavians have an epic gamer moment, it's... uh, it's, it's not... They go a little bit harder than Americans do. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark. You should cut that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I take so, it back. I disavow. Someone tracks down Eli to kill her because he... Or she turned his girlfriend into a vampire and then she burst into flames. Like, it's reasonable for him to be pretty mad about that. Is about to kill her, but Oscar interferes, and then Eli like kills him and drinks his blood. 
because she's a vampire. And then they get closer and they like make out and but she realizes that it's no longer safe to stay in this suburb because she's now being tracked down by people who know that she is the murderer. Um, but he has to go off and swim, Oscar. So he goes and swims for school. That's important in Sweden. It's Swimming is really important. Um, you gotta stay fit. But his bullies like meet him at the pool and try to like like force him to like stay underwater for three minutes to, or else like have his eye cut out. Yes, yeah, so they basically just trying to him. for beating up, beating out the other bully with the stick. Right? They're basically trying to kill mm-hmm. him. Um, but Li shows up and fucking slaughters them all like in serenity um just like hardcore like they all just are floating like in the pool with their like their heads ripped off and stuff the fucking hand that's holding the kid down all of a sudden just like like just yeah it's being completely just separated limb just from goes limb goes down to the bottom um yeah. and then they run away together on a train no that's perfect i i mean yeah so it's a fucking vampire coming of age queer uh Romance. Right. So I guess the first question is like, as a movie, before we get into the gay stuff, yes. as a movie, what do we feel about it? I really love this movie. It's beautiful. Like it's visually beautiful. I really like the sort of understated, subtle aesthetic and like quality to yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's it's really like it's when we read the synopsis, it kind of sounds brutal. You know, there's a lot of like vampire murder and like acid on faces and people being slaughtered and bursting into flames, but like. It actually is kind of mellow. Yeah, and also, too, one of the things that, uh, like, in terms of, like, the aesthetic of the film, too, it felt like a Wes Anderson horror uh, movie. Like, it was just, if Wes Anderson ever did horror, like, just even every shot was, like, a picture. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. And also, too, the, the limited use of soundtrack I thought was really cool, too, because the soundtrack only came up at like very subtle moments. Otherwise it was a lot of ambient, quiet, airy yeah, sound. Lots of like, no- like snow crunching under people's boots. Yeah. It's like, it's a really beautiful movie. And like, honestly, it feels a little bit simplistic to call it horror even. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. horror movie in that, you know, there's a vampire and there's murder and there's spooky supernatural shit. But like, it's, it's not scary. Like I did, like there's no point in this movie where, where I'm like this is scary. I watched it when I was like twelve. Yeah, well, I mean that's a, one of the things about horror as a genre is like a lot of great things can come out of there because everyone expects it to be like yeah. a junk genre. Uh, this is a really good example of it because this is technically horror, um, and also to um, the movies like uh, Get Out, which was a phenomenal movie in horror. Well, I as think well. it's one of those Get things. Out is much scarier. Is, I think it's it's kind of like the whole idea of like you know, prestige TV versus TV. Like, one horror is good and complex and not necessarily, like, fitting tropes. Then it slips into just being a suspense film. Yeah, just being a, like, good drama. Yeah, so, like, and that's why you would... Mm -hmm. I would would have personally used suspense to describe this, even if it is, like, at its heart, a horror movie. Yeah, because I don't think you can can say... I don't think, like, a monster, like a vampire... Uh, could exist in like a suspense movie that's exclusively that without having some element of horror in it. I, I just don't see how that would happen. Yeah, but like it's like the point of this movie is not to be scary. It's not to be mm-hmm. gratuitously violent or to be spooky or psychologically like difficult. That's not the point. The point is, you know, a romance between two troubled 12 year olds, one of whom is actually 200 years old. Yeah, which is, which is an interesting thing as well. And uh, we'll, 
one of the things I have uh, a problem with in terms of the movie, and this is this is one of those things that just like it's more of like an existential question. It's just like the character who plays uh, the vampire. She is like three hundred years old, but in like a eight or, or you know like a twelve year old's body. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out like if it was like, is that is it is, problematic? See, yeah, because it's like the same the thing with I lollies in anime. The, the way I yeah, interpret it is, yeah. she became a vampire when she's twelve, and she mm-hmm. has always been twelve, and she never developed past that point, both physically, okay. but also I feel mm-hmm. emotionally and like psychologically. That's fair. But she that. she does she does say in she says that basically in exactly those words. I mean, they also use that line yeah. in um uh like Twilight. I'm pretty sure. Like it's like oh you're 18. How long have you been 18? Like that kind of yeah. thing. So um, um did either of you watch the um American version? The Let Me In. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, I watched. I watched it a long time ago. Like I actually had forgotten I had seen it until I started like recognizing stuff, and it's not that much different. But um, I know we're gonna get into like the the queer coding and stuff. But I am kind of curious to go back and rewatch it to see if that is still there. But otherwise, it's yeah. But otherwise, it's basically the yeah. It's basically the same except set in the states and has Chloe Moritz as uh, Eli or Ellie. Mm-hmm. See, my problem with that movie, like, I never watched it because I have this fundamental problem with the concept, which is, like, this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to remake it? What are you adding? It didn't seem like they were really adding anything or profoundly changing the story or the themes or the visuals. It was just, like, make, like remaking it for an American audience who don't want to watch movies with subtitles. Yeah. Like... It just seems sort of like a waste, but again, like I haven't seen it, so I'm kind of just like a lot. A lot of a like lot a of movies are exactly that, like yeah, ones we don't even think about as remakes. Like a lot of movies are exactly that. Like it's possible to make a remake and have it really like change the movie and change the themes and change the ideas that it explores, but it's also like you have to do that thoughtfully and have like a really good reason to do it. And it didn't seem like they mm-hmm. did. No. Um, but let's talk about the pressing question, which is what about this movie makes it fit on Tranifesto? Yeah, so uh, one of the kind of, I guess, themes that comes off right off the bat is the fact that um, the uh, the vampire, the young girl, uh, uh, Eli, I guess we settled on. Eli. Ellie. Ellie. I'll just say all three and we'll cover our bases. It's perfect. We'll get away with it. Um, yeah. They or she basically uh, says, "What you know? What if I'm not a girl?" And we use she because that seems to be what they're going for in the movie. Yeah, um, in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, She's like but, she uses yeah, she her pronouns. Everyone does for her. She presents female. I mean, she says, "I'm not a girl," and like that is like she says it twice in the movie. So like, there's that she... point where she's like, "Would you still like me if I was a girl, or if I wasn't a girl?" But, I, the, but also, if I were, like, just your average audience person who's not looking for anything queer or not, like, you know, thinking about it, I would I would have interpreted that as, you know, oh, I'm not human or, like, I'm not a girl in the way that you think because I, like... Yes, I, and that, it's, that's it's, the way, it's really and subtle. And I don't know if that... 
Yeah, and I don't know how much of that was intended as that as well. I as I think else. it was intended as that. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, there there, we go. There's this other scene in the movie. I it's really quick, um, like it lasts like two seconds, where they're in um, like Oscar's apartment together, and he offers for her to like change into one of his mom's dresses, and she goes and changes, and he peeks, and he sees her crotch. And her crotch is, like, this scarred up. Like, it's not a vagina. It's, like, a scar. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're saying that they aren't real, that they're just wounds. Wow, that's a really uh, bad thing to perpetuate. Uh, that's, that's, a that's a turf line. That's a transphobic line. <laughs> so she has this sort of, like, her, her junk is fucky. Um, <laughs> and Okay, which, which, uh, the, and you... you you do give it too much credit by saying it was like two seconds. It was like half a second. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? And I wanted to go back and check, but I was also desperate to not rewind a YouTube video to look at an, a film <laughs> at a interpretation of a 12 year old's crotch. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I, so. I did for the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> for the podcast. We and yeah, so it's, it's really brief. It's a really brief shot, but yeah, her junk is, scarred up and it's not like a vagina it's not a penis it's kind of she's got an angry inch she's got an angry inch and that is a so that's as far as it goes in the movie um in terms of exploring her fucky gender thing that isn't really elaborated on clearly but it's like explicit in the text i would say mm -hmm. like the the fact that she talks about not being a girl is corroborated by this shot of her not being cis in some way right yeah and i mean also too i like the i like the highlight in that moment uh the boy's uh the boy's response to it uh, yeah oscar so like when it oscar. comes up um oscar doesn't when when i guess the first question of gender comes up um oscar doesn't like recoil or like try to reaffirm yeah. some like toxic masculinity it's basically very much just like the feelings for the person and then gender is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, Oscar's a pansexual king. Like, <laughs> Eli asks him if, like, he, he would still like her if she wasn't really a girl, and he says, yeah, I guess so. Do you still want to go study? Um, and, like, that's his, like, answer the other time, too. Like, he really doesn't seem to care. He peeks at her junk, and he sees that her junk is, like, not... Like, is there something going on with her junk? It's it's a atypical. Atypical genitalia. And he just kind of, like, you know, takes a step back. And he still likes her and still keeps being with her. Um, I, think still runs more, with like, her. I think it was more a reaction to getting caught peeking than to anything that he actually saw. I don't him. think she saw him. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, I think I mean, it, it could I have been a similar was reaction kind of no matter what was that, there. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, no. The, so we should ahead. talk about... Because those are the explicit parts of the movie. Yeah. Now, But in the book, it goes a bit deeper. Right. So this movie is based on uh, a novel by, and I am going to screw this up, John Avid Lindquist. Lindquist. Uh, um, and basically, it, it predates this. Yeah, John. I'm just going to, like, beep this part over. 
But the the original book uh, dealt with a lot of heavier themes such as existential anxiety, social isolation, fatherlessness, divorce, alcoholism, pedophilia, pedophilia, self mutilation, murder. So yeah, it's it, the book. And I literally just ordered it today because none I, of us have read the book for no, the record. Exactly. Yeah, we are We're going off of Wikipedia entirely. Secondary sources. So I'm sorry because not you, just Wikipedia. Yeah, well, I mean, Wikipedia is not a source. Look, I look. Uh, the listeners have come to express high quality. Uh, fucking uh, fact-checked and sourced uh, opinions. That's what they right. sign on for. Um, so the basic story in the book yes, regarding her gender and her history, because it isn't elaborated on the movie beyond those two things, her saying, I'm not a girl, and her very brief shot of her junk. Um, but in the book, it goes deeper. So she was born in the 1700s, as a boy um, named Elias. Um, I guess I'm dead naming her, but it feels like it's, it's unclear. It's unclear her gender identity. And she was picked up by sort of an evil vampire lord who liked young boys, um, chose her as one of his favorites, um, and castrated her. So that's how she got, you know, like weirdo junk. Funky bits. Fuck, funky bits. <laughs> Hedwig and the Funky Bits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she got Funky Bits. Then made her a vampire, and that's how she became a vampire, and that's also why she's stuck as a 12-year-old forever. Because that was the age when she was castrated and vampirized. From there, she starts presenting as female and going by L.I., and it's apparently not clear why. In the book, like, it's not clear in the text, but... This is backstory that is given... Um, they have some more conversations, she and Oscar, like, her saying, I'm not a girl, and then, apparently in the book, Oscar asks if she's a boy, and she says, no, no, I'm nothing. Not a child, not old, not a boy, not a girl, nothing. Um, we so can all relate. In the, in the book, she's sort of an agender character. We stand, we stand an agender monarch. An agender vampire. Um, and the author has made some comments, too. Where he basically says, he's basically a boy. He's essentially a boy to the author, Eli, Elias, um, and was presenting female for sort of likability reasons or something. I don't really like this. It's also not in the text, but that's the author's take. Um, Which is interesting. Sort of an androgynous how... character who uses manhood and boyhood and girlhood as they please is how the author conceives her. Like, it's kind of interesting that if that was his intention, how that was unstated in his own text and then got filtered out even more in the Swedish film adaptation and then got filtered out entirely by the American adaptation. Right. So, like, in the book, it seems that she's sort of this agender, gender-fluid character. And in the movie, it like, if I had to, if I was put on the spot... Um, and asked, like, what exactly do I think her gender identity is in the movie? I'd say she's kind of just a trans girl or something along those lines, like trans feminine. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's less clear in the movie and there's less about this sort of androgyny and, like, gender fluidity and agender stuff. Mm-hmm. At the very least. Well, I mean, it, and also, too, like, some of the other parts that are, are very interesting about the, the original uh, text was, like, 
the the person that Eli eventually comes into town with the the the, the Igor esque yeah the caretaker uh, like that he was goes also... off and murders people and drains their blood for her yeah believe it or not he also in the An book ally. is not uh, very reputable either um, and he's like originally he was like a pedophile and so there's like yeah a whole story and like latched onto well. her because she's perpetually twelve yeah. and willing to sort of make this trade with him in exchange for blood. Which is really dark. Yeah. It sounds like a really dark plot line. The book sounds really interesting. I like really would like to read it. I guess where she stands in terms of her gender in the text. Like it's it's clearly ambiguous. It's very ambiguous in the movie. It's interesting. And like I was actually intrigued watching it how like explicit it is that she's not cis. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking that that haircut is trans culture. I have that haircut, except it's not as curly. I was just going to say that, uh, like, uh, not being able to take blood for a couple days is kind of like us when we don't take hormones for a couple days. So I'm just saying yeah, there's some overlap. There, no, there is a parallel, right? Yeah. Um, like, we, if, if we're doing this reading, like, we can think about how her vampirism, um, like, her need for constant blood. Yeah. Is kind of, to, 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 to survive is kind of similar to her need for like our need for hormones and dick right? um, yeah, yeah come yeah that is how people transition um for somebody listening to this who will just constantly give you come <laughs> someone listening to this show right now this is awakening something inside of them wonderful if it's not already there uh, so one of the things <laughs> i want to uh, really highlight about this movie and what i thought was uh, absolutely fantastic was the fact that like we're actually having a really good discussion about how like this is the first time I think we've done this where we've had a discussion about like the positive character and how they the subtlety of it and how gender was for them and even uh, and all three of us are just like well maybe this maybe that so this movie has taken uh, gender and it's a part of the of a larger narrative uh, and but it's yeah. in there and it can be dissected in a way that's healthy and interesting yeah and it's it's also like like I think the fact that it is so vague and kind of not elaborated on like not only does it work with the rest of the movie because like a lot of things in the movie are left up to the audience to kind of piece together and have their own thoughts about like how old really is she what's her backstory um where do they go after they run away what was what what was which what was with that crotch shot what was with that crotch shot like yeah especially if you don't look into the book right yeah Mm -hmm. like a lot of that is and and you know the extent to which you can actually like say that the book says something about the movie that's even controversial right yeah some people will say that like you should only analyze this text as it is um and so like the extent to which like it is vague allows this analysis like it lets you kind of construct your own ideas uh, about gender and about what the film says about it which is interesting well i think i think what the thing what the author saying stuff like you know like the author's quote was something along the lines of like, he didn't think of it either way. Um, which was like, that's also an interesting take in terms of like gender being absolutely at a relevant point. Cause mm-hmm. literally pick a movie and genders are for the most part, always at play. Um, whereas this one, uh, not so much. It's a, uh, you know, at the, yeah. I, I would say even we could say like a non-binary femme presenting character. And also too, like I said, when the, when, um, um, What's his face? Uh, Oscar. When Oscar goes ahead and 
has to confront that that reality in that moment about uh, this person saying they're neither a boy nor a girl. It's, it's like the, the answer right afterwards is like, well, do you still want to go steady? Which for me, yeah. I, I found very interesting in terms of like those moments when you have when you're dating and you're trans, and then you have to eventually tell the person what's happening. And yeah, well, see, just... I actually go ahead. the scene that I felt resonated with that experience the most was when he asked her if she's a vampire. Like, oh yeah, like I, I made the joke that he clocked her, and that's exactly kind of how it felt. Like he's like, mm-hmm. like the, we're gonna have this conversation now about like this aspect of me that like I haven't really talked about but that like is now obvious and we now have to confront because like it's it's and like she was afraid that he wouldn't want to be near her anymore um and he was kind of afraid of what it meant for him and what it meant for them and it's something they worked through together and that's kind of lovely and there are kind of parallels yeah and I mean like it is a bit of projection which I'm totally fine with um, but we're like, doing we're doing a, a reading. We are yeah. doing our own reading of this movie, and that's the thing, text. exactly. And that's the nice thing about like any type of visual medium is, is like, or any type of like artistic medium, you can interpret it how you want. I mean, like if I take my own experiences, uh, you know, in terms of like telling someone trans and watching them come to terms with it in a positive light, this movie had a lot of parallels to that, to like an uncomfortable degree sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, like. I think, like, in terms of, like, a coming-of-age story as well, it did a really good job to touch on things like uh, healthy masculinity versus toxic masculinity. Um, yeah, and Oscar working through his own masculinity and working yeah. through his relationship to other boys and figuring out how to assert himself without being without not being true to himself, you know? Because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. doesn't really... Like, he really isn't, like, a, a fighter, you know, and he, he's, he's trying soft, to be. He's a soft boy. Yeah, he's he, a soft boy. He's a, he's a cutie soft boy. Like, yeah, he's a soft boy, but he has to be hard because of the scenario. His his trans GF is the one who is, like, murderous. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, also... Parallels. Um, can we also take a moment to appreciate probably a, an amazing scene? And it was only funny because of how CGI has aged. Uh, the moment where the 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 uh, the older woman that got turned into a vampire shows up at that dude's apartment and he's like the the shut-in cat person, and all the fucking yeah. cats just start like attacking at her. her. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, like, but they like jump on her, they bite her. She has to fall down fucking stairs, and just the, the yeah. bad CGI. It was so fucking funny. I I do like all the little like they integrated a lot of the sort of vampire lore into this movie in interesting ways mm-hmm. like the her having to ask to come into rooms and then at one point oscar is like well what happens if i don't let you in and she like shows him by walking she in just and starts her, to, she starts to hemorrhage yeah. she, starts, she starts like bleeding out of her eyeballs and out of her ears and out of her nose and like out of her back and stuff and he's like okay you can come in jesus um, or like yeah, like the part where like she's always inside at net like during the day, mm-hmm. and they only interact during the nighttime really, and like the other vampire just like bursting into flames when the blinds are open. Um, that was like, actually it's, a really it's cool. Very scene. much like a, yeah, it was, and like it's a very, like it's a genuine vampire movie. It's not just using that as a storytelling device. Yeah. and it also touches on things about the idea. Uh, I like the idea of social isolation because that uh, the uh, the boy in that situation, uh, Oscar, he came from a split home. Uh, the father, it was yeah. implied even briefly, uh, but the bro- book confirms it, which is the father is an alcoholic. Uh, 
And like, I don't know, like it almost seemed like his mom didn't want him much either. And so it created this, I don't know, it, it created a slightly more believable ending where the young kid runs off into the sunset. Because that's like, you know, I don't know. It, that that part was kind of a little weird for me. I know I'm saying like, you know, it breaks breaks focus in like a vampire movie, but it was just like, you know, like what? He just takes off and, and the parents are totally fine with that. And they're just, well, he's gone. Like, is that how they do things in Sweden? <laughs> it's a, Everything's more chill over there. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, talking about, like, healthy masculinities and talking about, like, the the ways in which Oscar doesn't really seem to care. Apparently in the book at one point, he asks his teachers if two boys can fall in love and commit to one another. Um, like, after learning about Eli's kind of gender stuff, yeah. which is cute. I, like, I, he really just loves her, like, yeah. however she is. And I think, like, I, I think I'll always have a soft spot for, like, uh, queer coming-of-age films, but I really did like this film. Uh, like it's, it's lovely. It's a really good movie. It's, it's also a film that could have um, risked dragging in some places or, like, I don't know, making parts of it seem irrelevant, but it didn't. It kept it kept really good pace. It's got a ninety eight percent score in Rotten Tomatoes, which is well deserved. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie, and it's really, yeah. really. It's sort of a cult classic, I think. Yeah. No. Um, um, if anybody's interested in watching this, there is a free version on YouTube. Just go Google the name. It's there for some reason. You can go watch it, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I would like to see final thoughts on the film and if you could maybe one favorite scene alright I got I got one and then I'll uh, I have like my favorite moment and then, then you can give you some more time okay. to think um, okay yeah so again uh, in terms of so my thoughts on the movie are basically it's fantastic as a queer cinema lover uh, I love it as a horror movie lover I absolutely loved it uh, probably my favorite scene in all of it was the um just because i wanted a really good horror moment uh is the very end of the pool scene where um he's being held oscar's being held underwater and then just like watching the feet oh, and God, the different yeah. body parts fall into the water so casually and like that it's one really kid cool left moment, over because you're stuck in the pool with oscar yeah um kind of passing yeah. out in the water while in the background there's this apparent violence happening someone just being like one of these boys just being dragged across the pool like incredibly quickly yeah and uh and the fucking like the arm that was holding oscar down like i said earlier just yeah, eventually like falls and... all the way down to the bottom and there's one kid left who like was like the soft bully boy uh, who didn't really want to do it and he's just like crying and sobbing while this lovely like wide shot of the uh, pool just shows like body parts all over the fucking place as a horror yeah. lover, that was really, really, really good. Yeah, they do that scene pretty good in the uh, American version as well, if I remember. Oh, it's pretty ki- iconic for that film, I have to say. And it's really mm-hmm. kind of cathartic. You yeah. You know, like, she's, she shows up for him. Which, and, like, we ca- at that point, it almost seemed like she already left. Yeah, and then she comes back. Yeah. Um, For me, I've one of the ones I think I liked is... Uh, I mean, obviously, I love the movie. The movie's really, really, really good. Yeah. And I can't recommend it enough. Uh, the part where, like, she's finishing off the um, 
her caretaker. I don't know. Cause I, again, that's another one I remember liking from the American version mm. is just how, you know, yeah. he, like, cause we see him, like he basically is about to get caught killing somebody for their blood. And then he, so he pours sulfuric acid all over his face. <laughs> and then like, she eventually like, you know, tricks the uh, hospital staff into finding out where his room is. And half of his face is melted. And as soon as, she's at the window he just opens it up and just you know presents his neck like yeah just gives opens his neck she just and then she just drags him out the window and their their whole relationship it's like is it's just really 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 strange and i think again i think in the american version what that is is that it's he was what um oscar was before like they had like you know had a relationship and then as he got older that I, I think knew that's it. the angle I that they took in that it. one. I, even when you said American version, yeah. I'm like, I bet they switched that one part around. And I'm so glad I was right. It's, well, that raises well, that, questions I think, And that's an, interesting, that's an interesting way to do it. Because, but, I mean, like, now she's off with... Oscar's yeah. going to probably keep but, killing people for, her, for, for blood for her. That's alive. what I'm thinking. Like, thing, yeah. is, this, is that their future? Well, that's... And I, and I guess if we get into the matter of endings, which would you prefer? I would say, like, that is a big part. And I, would, I, I wouldn't like that as much. Because with the ending that we have in the Swedish film it's implied that it's going to be a good thing um, and it's like positive. But if it's just, if it's just the cycle, like I don't feel as good about that. Like, I don't know. It's less than about the story then becomes less about Oscar's coming of age. And it becomes more about uh, Eli's cycle of uh, partners. Bloodlust and everything. So there's sort of the insinuation. She's like, you know, I need, to, I need people to die, and you need to kill, so we can work something out. Yeah, like they have oh, a, they have a yeah, scene like that, that, in that the movie. was kind of. Uh, yeah, and that makes so, it a lot darker. It does make it darker in terms of like the cutting, it's like the, the pairing com- off. Yeah, to, for for him to just support her forever, killing well, people for her to drink. And that's the thing where it's just like. But it's, isn't that isn't that love? Aren't we all just making compromises for one another? <laughs> Especially as trans people, like, is that not what a, um, you know, trans for cis relationship is all about? Um, I was just looking over the synopsis of the, um, the book really quickly, and it seems to be that it's not a cycle thing, and that they just kind of flee away together. So, I mean... I personally like the idea more that they just kind of go on and eventually they live a full life together. Maybe he yeah, it's, it's not something. clear what happens after yeah. the ending, but it, it is kind of hard to think that it's going to go any other way. That is true. Unless they, you know, he gets turned into a vampire or something. Well, yeah. And maybe that's what they do. Yeah. Maybe they both become vampires together and become like murderous partners. It's the body and Clyde of Sweden. <laughs> Except they're 12. <laughs> <laughs> And not, my favorite, they're not old gangsters. My favorite scene is the one where she, he like, asks her to come in without letting her in, and she just like resigns herself to it and walks in and like shows him what happens. Like oh, it yeah. seems like that is her like really forcing herself to just like, I guess, be vulnerable. It's like her self preservation. Like she just turns herself fully over to him, and she's like, you know, if you see this and it freaks you out too much i'm just gonna die but if you really are here for me you're gonna let me in when i start bleeding out of my eyeballs and in a way like i thought that was kind of sweet 
Yeah, no, I like I like that because she was like she's pretty OP at that point in time, and to show like something like that was I don't know, like she was willing to be vulnerable for him. Exactly, she was vulnerable. Yeah, she let herself be vulnerable. Yeah, and it's it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, please, please. I hadn't seen it for so long, and it's so good. And the first time, yeah, and I was just saying to Amy earlier before we were recording, like, I watched this movie when it first came out, and I didn't pick up on any queer themes or anything like that. I was just like, oh, okay, it's a cool kind of vampire-ish movie. And then I watched it again. Yeah, and and that's something, like, if we're going to talk about if it's good representation. Like, it's, yeah, like, it's so easy to watch it and totally miss all of that. But it's also, like, if you watch it, even thinking about it a bit, it's really explicit it's there in the text yeah and it's like it's a pretty good example of how you can just put something in there and it doesn't have to be a focus or a focal point uh with that and it still makes an impact uh, perfect so yeah that's... yeah and it can it can synergize with the rest of the movie without detracting from it like oh yeah you know like it didn't feel like it was a distraction or like it didn't make sense it actually added something to the whole thing i think yeah so um, so yeah, I thought, again, let the right one in. Uh, if you get a chance, please watch it. It's absolutely wonderful for the spooky season. It's got the feel-goods in there, along with the murders and the feel-good murders. It's a pretty movie. It is. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Wes Anderson, in terms of just like the framings and shots, uh, this has a very similar feeling to that as well, um, but without the cartoonishy feel to it. Excellent. So thank you all again for joining us uh, this week on Spooky Festo. Um, the spooky, spooky uh, ooky spooky skeletons. Um, I am Madeline Hops. I am at rabbit underscore is dead at Twitter and Twitch. Hey. I... Oh. Oh. There you go. <laughs> I'm Amy. I'm at Lavender Ashtray on Twitter. That's my Twitter. I... That's all I have. <laughs> Please don't take that. I'm... Please follow I'm me on Madeline. Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I'm re at Riri Carter, R-H-I-R-H-I-C-A-R-T-E-R. And uh, if you are living in Canada, you have to vote at near the end of the month. Oh, God, yeah. Please vote. Oh, yeah. Get out and vote, you fucking goofs. Here on Tranifesto, we're still sorting out which of the communist parties is the good one. Yeah. (laughs) Canada has so many of them. (laughs) So we'll get back to you <laughs> when we figure that one out. The Communist Party. I mean, according accor- according to the PBC, like oh, every, hey there, like comrade. The, conservati- the, conser- the conservatives and everybody left of them are all communists. That's true. Uh, so. But uh, as she- far as I understand, this the Communist Party of Canada is a revisionist one, and the Marxist-Leninist Party is the Maoist one. My my riding out in the middle of like the country, like in the countryside, has a Marxist Leninist candidate, so that's kind of fun. Even though the Revisionist Party has a better logo, so um, and also too, out. we'd like to give a shout out to our boy Jagmeet Singh uh, of the our NDP, boy. leader of the Marxist Leninist Party of Canada. Yes, indeed, and he did an absolutely wonderful job at last night's debate. When we're recording this, the debate was last night, so uh, I didn't see it. It was actually That's pretty good. I watched. If, as long as you just skip over I the watched, parts with Trudeau and Sheer, those parts are just annoying. Yeah, I watched the uh, the surfs today. Um, a good uh, stream of it. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, Jagmeet Singh had some pretty good lines, and he just looked uh, sane. I also like the I like Elizabeth May as well, just because she looks like that uh, fucking like your mom's cool friend who has weed. 
Um, like she just she like, looks like every woman in the Gulf Islands. Yeah, over it's the true. age of forty. Oh, yeah, like yeah. every single. Every single one, like they, they all, all look like Elizabeth May. They all, they have all talk a... like Elizabeth May. <laughs> they all have the same incoherent politics as Elizabeth May. Yeah, they all have the same closet full of silk scarves as Elizabeth May. They wear like chunky jewelry. <laughs> they all have shawls, just rows and rows of shawls. They're so stoked to tell you like the three fucking Ojibwe words that they know. <laughs> Yeah, go vote. That's, that's de- decolonization is learning how to say uh, fucking what's, what, what's up fam in Salish. That's decolonization. Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck. Well, to anybody who doesn't uh, live in Canada, this is just going to sound like nonsense. So. We could do a Canadian election special. Oh, we should absolutely. Oh, we should do a Canadian election special. Oh, we could do a live stream. Okay. Who's the, who's the best for the gays? Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Sanders, come on. <laughs> Go on up. All right. Well, thank you all again for joining us this week. Uh, we'll see you all probably next week. Um, not personally. We won't be showing up at your houses. Um, we're still... Please don't show up at our houses. Yeah. It already you happened. Show up at my houses. I'm lonely. It already happened once. We're not going to happen again. Ryan. Uh, anyways, uh, I love you all. <laughs> and I'll see you all again next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.